Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the teaching from our central campus. We hope it's an encouragement to you. Thanks for listening. We are, we're continuing our Real Religion teaching series, um, you know, and we're, we've been looking at kind of these themes, justice and mercy and like what Isaiah calls real religion. We're continuing to do that, but it's like an interesting topic today, one that might not sound like it fits with the previous weeks. It is the topic of rest or Sabbath. Now, uh, did you know, raise your hand, did you know that the Sabbath was one of the Ten Commandments? Anybody, anybody ever do? Yeah, some people are raising their hand. Some people are Bible study scholars, or some people maybe just grew up in the church. I have a confession to make. I, I didn't know until, like, you know, well into following Jesus that the Sabbath was actually one of the Ten Commandments. I, I, and this is where the confession is, I, I spend more time growing up breaking commandments than memorizing them, you know, I... Um, but like, check this out. Like when you think about it, the Ten Commandments, and this is like what Isaiah is like, he's talking about Sabbath in the passage we're gonna read in a little bit, but he's drawing from the Ten Commandments. They're in his mind, they're on his heart as he's speaking these words in Isaiah 58. Um, and like when you think about the Ten Commandments, there's a lot of them that make sense. And there's some, there's like at least one, uh, the Sabbath one, that doesn't seem like it makes intuitive sense to be on the list. And remember that Sesame Street thing, which one of these things doesn't belong, you know? Uh, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is the one that kind of on the face of it intuitively doesn't feel like it quite belongs there. I mean, like think about this. Don't murder? Check. All right, good. I, don't murder. Well, that seems like pretty intuitive, you know? To put on the Ten Commandments, that's a good one to put on there. No idols, you know, God's giving this. So yeah, it makes sense. No idols. Don't have it worship any other gods but the true God. That makes intuitive sense. Don't take your neighbor's wife. Again, pretty intuitive, you know? It seems like pretty intuitive. You know, but like rest? Like God saying, hey, once a week, rest, stop working. Like that, I don't know about you, but like it doesn't seem as intuitive as some of those other ones. Maybe, if you're like me, it's because you have this kind of background idea of God as like that one shift manager you had at that second job. Remember that? The shift manager who like you're, take, you're on your 15-minute break and like the shift manager walks by kind of slowly by the break room, looks at their watch and then looks at you and then keeps walking. Do you have, did anybody have a shift manager like that? No, just me? Okay, I'm working through my issues in public. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, like this passive-aggressive uh, thought is uh, you're 16 minutes into your 15-minute break. Some of us have that vision of God like that. Keep working, keep doing. Oh, you're, you're not dead? You should be working then, you know? You're not sleeping? You should be working then. Even if you're sleeping, you kind of should be thinking about work because there's a lot to do. But in the middle of that, we hear something different. In the middle of that, we hear rest. Like, the real God says that Sabbath is a command. Not ceaseless, endless work, but rest. So today we're going to be looking at why rest is so significant to God and why he commands it of his people and how it's connected to justice, mercy, and what Isaiah calls real religion. We're calling this teaching, Rest is Resistance. 
Rest is resistance. If you're a note taker, you might write that down. Rest is resistance. We're going to be saying that phrase multiple times throughout the teaching. And we're going to be looking at three different words that are drawn from the passage of Scripture that kind of help us, guide us through how rest is resistance. Um, But before we get into it, I want to read the passage of Scripture. So it's in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 to 14. Um, It's the end of this section of like real religion, but we're going to be continuing on closing the series up next week. But in verses 13 and 14, 14, we read, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. All right, first word is stop. Stop. That's the first word. When our family moved here to plant Anchor Church about, you know, I don't know, five years ago now, um, I could not stop. I was, I think it was fair to say, at least developing some workaholic tendencies, if not a fully-fledged workaholic. Uh, I remember, you know, somebody called, would have a problem. I would change my whole schedule around to accommodate um, me fixing their problem. Sorry, Candace, the date's not going to work out. There's this one person that I barely know that has this small problem. I've got to fix it. You know, finances in a bind? Well, Brian, the administrator, to the rescue. And let me just tell you, if you know me, you know that that is a disaster waiting to happen. Me and spreadsheets, it's like oil and water. It does not work. But uh, me, as the church planter, trying to fix everything, not knowing how to uh, rest, I was there for the job. Oftentimes, I would muck it up even more, and then I'd have to have somebody come in with some real expertise, and they would take, you know, be able to fix it quickly, but then, you know, whatever. I couldn't stop working. Any challenge that came up was something that I was willing to do no matter the time, no matter the time, no matter the skill I had. I was on this treadmill and I didn't know how to get off. It makes sense. But it doesn't make sense. I remember going on a walk with a mentor and um, I confessed to him, I kind of felt like I was, I said, I, I felt like I was running away from a lion into a pit. You're like, that doesn't make sense to me. Let me help you out. The lion was everyone's approval. If I could just, if I could just stay ahead of, of, of everyone's approval enough, if I could just kind of run fast enough so that the, the, this monstrous, just, just voracious lion didn't just swallow me up, if I could just stay ahead of it enough, then I would be fine. But the problem is, if I ran that fast for too long, I would end up in the pit of my exhaustion. And this was really the first couple years of church planting, trying to climb out of the pit and then speed ahead of the lion again, only to fall into the pit again. Now, I don't think this is just Brian with his own issues and idiosyncrasies. And I don't think it's just something that's common to church planning. I think it's much more common. I think many of us in the room feel named right now. I know this because the average American worker receives 13 vacation days every year, but the 34% of workers don't even take a single day of vacation in the 12-month period where the vacation's allotted. Let's just point out, 13 days kind of sucks in the first place. And then 34% of people aren't even taking those days. 
Even when people do take vacation days, 30% of people confess that they can't stop thinking about work. Between 1970 and 2006, the average number of hours in a working year for the average American worker increased by a total of 200 hours. I was talking to my friend about the stat, and I'm like, 2006, kind of feels dated. I couldn't find more recent information. He goes, it probably has only gotten worse. I don't have data on that, but that was his hunch. And it's clear, it's obvious, workaholic marriages suffer disproportionately more than others. In the middle of this, in the middle of this kind of can't get off of the treadmill, workaholic posture that is so normal for a 21st century American person, we hear God say, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, God says, God's not saying with his eyes, passive aggressively, you better keep working. He is saying, you better stop intentionally at least once a week. You better rest. You got to. A couple things I want to point out on that verse. The word Sabbath, it simply means this. It simply means stop. Like stop. That's what it means. It means cease. So like, like when Sabbath, it's like practice Sabbath. Like literally in the Hebrew, it's like practice stopping. Practice stopping. And the word my, or the, the three words, my holy day, is so helpful because it, like, it keeps us from being like, on one hand, some of us think of Sabbath as like this kind of like thing to really is this spiritual, vague, spiritual kind of like vaguely spiritual self-care where I got to do whatever I want to do. And on the other hand, the workaholics among us are like, I don't have to do it, you know, um, it's just kind of like an optional thing. But like, I love how God says it through Isaiah, goes, this is my holy day. It's not just a vaguely spiritual self-care, and it's also not something that you get to opt into or opt not into. This is my holy day. Isn't that good? This is something that God is saying. This is something that you have. It's, like, it's, it's, it's his day he's inviting you into. He's inviting you into his rest. One author defined the Sabbath as this. Find out what work is and don't do it. Some of us try to be like, write all these little lists down of like, well, you know, like I should do this and I shouldn't do that. And like the detailed bullet pointed people among us, you know, write all this like ornate list of stuff we can and can't do. And this author is so helpful because like, what, what, what feels like work? Then just don't do that for a day, you know? This is different from everybody. Like everybody's work schedule is different. And we're gonna talk a little bit about like, what do you do when like, you know, like the work schedule like doesn't make sense with this kind of Sabbath thing. But like, it could be a different day for some of us. For many of us, it feels like it's right day. Right now, today feels like it's the best day for it. For our family, it's Friday. And uh, we take our kids to school on Friday. And that means that there's this kind of space and time. I recognize that that's not everybody, but it's us in our space right now. And now I like, like I'll, we'll go on a walk. My wife and I'll go on a walk. We'll get a coffee. We'll like talk to each other. That's what you do when you walk with your spouse. You talk with each other. And, um, and, and then I'll, like, you know, I'll, I'll end up skateboarding a good chunk of the day, um, which um, is like at some point I'll injure myself and then so I'll have another week till next Friday and I'll, then I'll get healed up and I'll injure myself again. It's a great rhythm, you know. Um, you know you injure yourself, you have to rest the rest of the day. It's um, practical. Um, then we'll end the day with eating pizza that we made and watching a movie as a family. It is this thing that I anticipate, I look forward to every week. I used to not know how to get off the treadmill. Like I, I look forward to getting off the treadmill. What I learned is, is that 
the problems were still there. They were, they were still waiting for me, right? The work was still there. The people that were annoyed that it took me a day to get back to them were still there. And most often, let's be honest, they were the people that needed to rest themselves, so I was blessing them. <laughs> I still feel like I'm blessing them. Rest is resistance. Rest is resistance to the cultural lie that says you, your value is equated with how much you produce. There is a lie out there that is very common for us to drink down in different work settings that your, product, your value is equated to your productivity. And God says, but you are actually fearfully and wonderfully made. So if you're fearfully and wonderfully made, at the beginning of you being born, before you did anything, if you were fearfully and wonderfully made, your value was settled. So you don't have to accomplish to get value. You have value, full stop right? So we, the rest is resistance to the cultural lie that says you are only valuable if you continue to contribute at this level and your value diminishes if you don't contribute at this level. It's a resistance to that lie. When we rest, we say we are not believing the lie. We are believing what God says, not the pharaohs, ancient and modern. Rest is also real religion. Check this out. Because a lot of us have a concept of God being sovereign. If you grew up in the church, you maybe have heard that, or God being in control. We might have a theology that God's in control. We might have a bumper sticker that says, you know, you know like uh, God's got the wheel, or Jesus takes, I don't know, well, you know, whatever. We might conceptually believe that God's in control, but like, if we don't practice Sabbath, there's a question that says, it should be asked, do you actually believe it? Because in Sabbath, we move from conceptual theology to practiced theology. Because in Sabbath, we say, God is in control to the point that it doesn't depend on me. I can take a day off knowing that God is in control. So rest is real religion because it actually brings this concept into the land of practices. Second word is enjoy. What a good word. The verse goes on and Isaiah says, speaking from God's perspective, speaking on behalf of God, he says, if you call the Sabbath a delight, the Hebrew word there for delight could be translated as daintiness or exquisite, words I don't use that often daintiness or exquisite. They're words I don't use that often, but like this is, okay, just go with me. This is what I think of when I hear the word daintiness or exquisite. I think of like a really nice pastry that costs way too much money from like Met Market, you know? You know what I'm talking about? And like you take, for some reason, I always imagine the fork, you take the broad side of the fork and you kind of push through it and then the flaky crust kind of cracks a little bit and the gooey center kind of oozes out. And like, how do you eat that thing? You eat it really slowly. You savor it. If you eat it fast, maybe you feel moderately guilty right now. Just joking. But like, you eat it really slowly and you savor it. Like, God is saying, treat the Sabbath like that. Just slow, just enjoy it. Delight it, find delight in it. I grew up uh, with a friend who like, was a part of a very fundamentalist Christian uh, 
Decht, uh, he didn't do a good job of making me interested in Christianity. It made, made me really disinterested in Christianity, frankly. Uh, but every week they had to practice Sabbath as a, as a family. And I mentioned had to because it, like, it, it, it felt like they had to. You know, like if, if uh, what I was just describing as Sabbath is this really nice kind of dessert to slowly in, enjoy, you know, like the way they practice Sabbath, it felt like kind of a can of beans you had to open and you just kind of had to eat like that. I was like, he's like, I can't buy anything on Sabbath. I just have to go home. Sorry, I can't play on Sabbath. And like, you know, I have to just kind of sit in my home and twiddle my fingers. I'm like, that just does not sound like something you can find delight in. You know, God's saying like, hey, have, find delight in it. Like this is what Jesus was all about. Like the Pharisees are, you know, are like, are like, hey, you actually can't um, heal people on the Sabbath, Jesus. I don't know if you read the updated laws uh, that we just put out there. No, they're available on the website, Jesus. You clearly didn't read them. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. Oh, whoa, hey, Jesus, you actually can't pick corn on the Sabbath or wheat on the Sabbath because that kind of looks like work. I know it's a little funny, but it's kind of the law, you know. And Jesus is like, you guys are idiots. Men weren't, cre- humans weren't created for the Sabbath. It's not like, it's like the humans were like emerged on the scene and like we have to accommodate everything to like, you know, like this kind of li- rigid rules of Sabbath. Sabbath is not like these beans you have to open up and just kind of drink down like, this is not fun. It's like this dessert that you get to find delight in and enjoy. It's something that we're supposed to have joy as we experience it. Like this is what... Rest is. I think some of us, like maybe that are, have read some theology and stuff like that, they, they think, oh, Sabbath is kind of like an Old Testament concept that doesn't apply to New Testament Christians. And maybe you can make that theological argument. Admittedly, I made that theological argument back uh, for a while, you know, but like I found out when I started thinking about it, I was only using that theology to keep me from having to actually rest. I was using this theology to protect me from, or really so I could keep practicing workaholic tendencies. Like when God just, the heart of God is like whatever your theology of Sabbath is, the heart of God is for you just to be able to be a human being once a while and not just be a human doing, right? I think a lot of us, the things that keep us from experiencing this joy, being able to enjoy the Sabbath is like all these what ifs. You know, we experience what ifs in all areas of our life. You know, I don't know if I can take that job because what if? You know, I don't know if I can go on that date. Yeah, he's kind of has a job. He follows Jesus. He's moderately healthy, but what if? You know, I could be generous, but what if? Uh, the business deal seems like a great opportunity, but what if? You know, like there's all these what ifs that keep us from opportunity. We do the same thing with Sabbath, and I've been on this team. I've played on the what if team. What if something happens? And what if I if I if I turn my email off? If I put my phone away? What what if? What if? What if? What if? And here's the thing: if you add all those what ifs up, what do you get? You get a major deficiency in joy. You get a major deficiency in opportunity. The heart of the Sabbath is for us to experience joy. There's this quote from Lord of the Rings um, where it's, it's talking about the, all the, the squad is ending up in the, the I'm going to feel like a little nerdy, but the elfin land um, of Rivendell. You know, if you've watched the movie, you know about it. Um, but like in the, the, in the book, there has this beautiful quote that talks about the, the rest that they experienced in this place called Rivendell. And I think it applies to our, that what I'm trying to communicate about Sabbath. It says, such was the virtue of the land of Rivendell, that soon all fear and anxiety was lifted from their minds. The future, good or ill, check this out, the future, good or ill, was not forgotten, but it ceased to have power over the present. 
Check that out. Health and hope grew strong in them, and they were content with each day as it came, taking pleasure in every meal and every word and song. Like Sabbath, this day where we take, where we disengage from the treadmill and we rest, this, the Sabbath is a day where we don't forget the past, we don't forget the future, but it ceases to have power over us. It ceases to use, use us like a little puppeteer where we have to do things and we have to do this. The, the, it doesn't have the power of us, so we're able to just be and enjoy and do things that are fun. Do things that are childish, like skateboard or eat good food or go on walks. Rest is real religion because in practicing rest, we understand the actual heart of God is aimed at our joy. Do you know that? The heart of God is aimed at you experiencing joy? Have you allowed yourself to believe that that is the God you worship? Rest is resistance because it pushes back on the cultural norm of nonstop hustle and grind as virtuous and leads us into the true virtue of resting in the, God, in the rest that God has already prepared for us. Last word is honor. Honor. Last part of verse 13 reads like this, and if you honor it by not giving or going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words. And I mentioned this before, but it's, it's easy to turn Sabbath as into this boutique form of vaguely Christian self-care that ends up being more about my needs than anything else. But that really isn't what scripture documents and describes as Sabbath. Abraham Heschel, the Jewish scholar and activist, described Sabbath as a sanctuary in time. Think about, think about a sanctuary you walk into a church that was actually constructed to make you think about God, this one doesn't do that quite. Um, but you think about it, like, think about it, you walk into a cathedral and the architecture, like it's aiming, the vaulted ceilings aim your gaze upward. There's stained glass windows through the light just streams through and it's supposed to create this sense of reverence and awe as you walk into the sanctuary. And Heschel is saying that Sabbath is the same thing, but it's in time, not in space. It's Sabbath is a sanctuary that we step into in time where when that day begins, we, we, we are reverently aware that this is a space created for us and God invited us into. That is, we're not supposed to get inverted with just thinking about, oh, it's, it's a me day, you know, like, um, but, it, but, but looking outward up at who God is, that he would invite us into this, that we would be reverently, our hearts would be filled with worship. The word there, honor, that Isaiah uses is kavod, which we've talked about before, and it's the word that's most often translated um, as glory, and it just means heaviness. And what, what God is saying through Isaiah is like, if you treat the Sabbath with heaviness, if you treat the Sabbath with weightiness, if you, like, if you recognize this, this, the beauty that you are invited into, that if you see this, if you have reverence for God, but also check this out, if you have reverence, there's a social component that we have to talk about. If, if you have reverence for the image of God that is around you in other people. Deuteronomy, and this is, what, this is what Isaiah has in mind. This is why this passage in Isaiah is connected with justice, is connected with mercy, because 
Isaiah has Deuteronomy in mind. And, he, and we read this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, not even your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that the male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You see, if Sabbath is just a vaguely spiritual Christian kind of version of self-care, then it's not gonna pull my head out of my stomach and aim it at other people to ensure that we're creating equity with rest. That's what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy. That's what Isaiah is advocating for in Isaiah chapter 58. He's saying, think about not only your rest, yes, rest, you should rest, God's commanding it, but think about the single mom that's stringing together three different jobs and she doesn't know how she's gonna pay rent. And she can't even imagine resting. She can't be present with her kids because she's trying to make sure that the utility bills are paid so that there's water that comes out of the faucet. What does it look like to have your eyes open to her so you are thinking about how you can create an environment where she might experience rest? You might not have leadership and influence over her, but you can help her find a different job. You can leverage all of your contacts so that she can approach experiencing rest. Think about the person that you might not have any formal leadership over. You might not be an employer that is, is responsible for this person, but you think about this, this uh, male or the, the man or that man or this woman has workaholic tendencies that they can't get out of. It was me five years ago. And, and, and they, they don't know how to get off of the treadmill. And what does it look like to be reverently aware of the image of God in them that is operating as if Pharaoh is in control and not Yahweh? What does it look like to hold that person accountable and saying, you, God is inviting you to experience rest? There's this social component, and Isaiah is, saying, Isaiah is saying, hey, be thinking about the people in your influence, the people in your area of leadership. Don't be thinking about, oh, it's a me day. You know, yeah, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, but be thinking about how can I make sure that there is equity of rest so that everybody can experience the sense of being a human being once a week, not just being a human doing. There's one church I know of in New York that they actually have some finances reserved for people that if they can't imagine resting, they're able to just like give them some resources just so that they can start to approach. And I think, I don't know how that all works. Maybe I should find out, I guess. But, but I think that's the kind of thing. It's like, that's, like, how do we do that? How do we look out for each other and have reverence for God on the day on, and treat it with heaviness, but have reverence for the image of God in each other? These questions, you know, like this is resistance. It's resistance to the unending, never stopping work equals worth Pharaoh way. The question we just have to ask is, do we dishonor God and the image of God in us, in ourselves, by listening to an internal Pharaoh and not resting? And do we dishonor God and the image of God and, and um, image of God in others by demanding constant work? or not caring and to ask the tough questions. The promise of this ends with Isaiah 58, 14, then you will find your joy in the Lord 
and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. All the what ifs drip away when you hear the promise. What if, what if, what if? God's saying, no, I'm promising this. This will happen. The band can come up at this point. Um, And I think that the key, the ultimate key to experiencing this type of Sabbath rest, whether you call it Sabbath, whether you call it a day off, the ultimate key um, is uh, really developing what I would call a Sabbath heart, a heart that is at rest, a heart that doesn't think, oh, I have to do more to please so-and-so, or I have to do more because my worth is only according to what I produce, a heart that actually knows deep down that the matter is settled and so I can rest. How do you do that? You have to know that Jesus Christ has ultimately settled the matter when he said, it is finished. On the cross, Jesus Christ took the full measure of our brokenness and said at the end with his last breath, it is finished, which means this. It means that you don't have to work to find favor with God. Jesus has already worked so that you have favor with God. It means this that when you're thinking about all the relationships that you're in, you don't have to consistently accrue credit, accrue, accrue good work so that you can finally get people to like you, but that you are pre-loved. As I mentioned at the beginning, you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that matter is settled at the cross. So at the core of who you are, you don't have to tremble thinking, oh, I gotta do more, I gotta do more, otherwise, otherwise, otherwise. No, you know I have already been done someone has already done much on my behalf and I can live from that place of freedom. And when you have a Sabbath heart, you know these words, lay your deadly doing down. Sometimes our doing can be deadly. Lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet and stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. We're gonna allow ourselves time to remember that truth and develop the heart of Sabbath with communion. With communion, uh, you can come forward at any time to any of our communion stations and you'll hear these words, Christ's body given for you, Christ's blood shed for you. And why we say those words every week is because we want you to be verbally reminded that the love of God is aimed at you. It's aimed at you. That there is no one excused from being the object of God's love. And at the center of who God is, there is love. And God is lovingly inviting you into his rest He's lovingly inviting you into experiencing his rest. Hey, you don't have to think, you don't have to stay on the treadmill thinking that that's how you will get love. You don't have to stay on the treadmill thinking that's how you'll get worth. No, I'm inviting you into rest. And when we hear those words, we're reminded that that is God's love aimed at you. There's also prayer. I recognize for some of us, we're in the middle of a, a, a multiple years of workaholic tendencies and maybe our spouse or friend is nudging us or something like that. There's prayer available for you at both sides and come forward, receive prayer, ask God for freedom because that's what he invites you to. You can stand uh, if you're able right now as we sing and as we prepare, as we walk towards communion at any point. I just wanna pray over us. May the spirit of the God be in this place. I know, I, God, I, Father, I know there's people here that don't even know if we believe. I pray that they would just hear that your love is aimed at them and they can't do anything about it. I pray that they might just humbly say, God, I want your love. For some of us with maybe dealing with this inability to rest, we pray that, that, you, would, that you would speak to them 
unlock them from those chains and, and take them away from the power of Pharaoh, external or internal, and help them hear your voice, which says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I pray that this place is a place of rest equity where those that are stringing together jobs to try to pay for water and light, that we would have eyes to see those in our midst and those in our neighborhood so that we can fight and advocate and find work that is able to help them pay for their, all the things they need in a way that doesn't strain their souls and their relationships. We pray these things in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.